but most importantly, trying to find out who the big I am is. Knowing that I didn't know who I was, I didn't have any foundation because it had been shaken by what I was told. And I wanted to know, okay, God, you are the creator of who I am. Only you can show me, tell me who I am. Hello, my name is Ebony Griffin, the host of the Small Talk Big Thoughts podcast. You just heard my special guest, Jane S. Green. She will be joining the Small Talk Big Thoughts podcast today to discuss journeying through life and discovering identity through God's DNA. Take a listen. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Oh. Right. Welcome, Jane, to the Small Talk Big Thoughts podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Ebony, for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and thank you for joining me. I was so grateful that you accepted the invitation. And we actually went to undergrad together. We went to Southern University, SU. Um, And we're also sorority sisters. And, um, you know, what I loved about you that I can remember is, is that you were like the only child, right? Actually, no, the only one that's here. I do have other siblings. Yes. Okay, you do have other siblings. So I remember that. And then I also remember that we share the same birthday. (laughs) That is absolutely correct. And that's wonderful. Yes. So, um, okay, well, what I, I loved about you then, and I still love about you now that just kind of has stood the test of time is that you have such a sweet spirit and you're just very sassy and stylish and just I just love it so and and of course I love the fact that you are my sister in Christ so if you could start off by just telling the listeners a little bit about you and your journey with God okay I am Janice Green I am a lover of all things God. I'm a lover of all things good. I'm a lover of Jesus Christ and of his Holy Spirit. I'm a wife. I have two children and I'm a lifetime learner in the field of education. So I'm a teacher. And my journey with our Father God, it has started around 16 that I'm aware of. Obviously, it had started before then, but I wasn't aware or paying attention to what God was doing in my life. But it started at the age of 16. And to make a a long story short, God had answered one of my prayers instantaneously at 16. And when God answered that prayer for me, that is when I started paying attention and started drawing closer to him. Okay. So does that mean that you grew up in like church, grew up going to church and family goes to church and all that? I didn't grow up like that. You know, well, I'll say we didn't go every Sunday. 
you know, we did go on Easter and Mother's Day. So I'll have to, you know, make sure I put that shout out that I did go. <laughs> um, but you grew up in church and um, you said that you came to know him when you were 16. Would you like to expound a little bit on just like what he did for you that kind of made you alert to his presence? Okay. And I did. You're absolutely correct when you say that, you know, I grew up in church. And I have to be transparent with you, Ebony. I did not like going to church at all. That was like my least favorite thing to do. But I was made to go to church Sunday school. Obviously, I was made to go to church, sit all day. And in the summertime, we had to go to church. And I just didn't like it. So at the age of 16, I remember we were staying across the street from like the most popular guy in our neighborhood. He was a football player. He was extra smart and all of the cheerleaders and the pretty girls and the popular girls, they all hung out at his house. So it was during the summertime, we didn't have school and they were outside and I could hear the music playing and they were having fun. And, you know, I wanted to go over, but I was too shy to go over. Lo and behold, the energy man comes over into our driveway. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're getting ready to turn off our lights and the whole city is going to see it. So I have my Bible, which was not coincidental. I just thought it was coincidental then, but I had my Bible on the floor and I was reading it. And I said, God, please do not let this man turn our lights off. Whatever you do, don't let that happen. And I will give my life to you. So the energy man came to the door. He knocked on the door. My mama came to the door and he said, ma'am, I'm here to disconnect your electricity. And my mom was like, well, no, sir, I paid the bill. And he said, well, ma'am, according to my records, the bill has not been paid. She said, well, you're going to have to call somebody. So he came into the house. He called. Lo and behold, my mom paid the bill and he did not turn the lights off. And in that moment, I was so, so happy. And I didn't know what happened? I didn't know if it was truly my conversation with God or if it was just a fluke, but whatever it was, I wanted to uphold my promise to God. And that is exactly what I did. Wow. That is so sweet. And just really just an intimate story in regards to just like your foundation. Was it easy for you to kind of build up on that being 16 years old? No. Ebony, at that point, it seemed as if things started to spiral out of control instead of line up and, you know, be filled with blessings. Um, also, at the age of 16, I found out who my real father was, which devastated me. Imagine, you know, someone, me, a female, growing up thinking, you know, one guy is your father, and then finding out at 16 that that really wasn't the case, and that was so devastating. I didn't know how to deal with it. The only thing I wanted to do was to avoid my real father, and I had one more year of high school, and I just couldn't wait to leave that town 
and just start over and forget I ever knew what I heard. Okay. And do you see, like, looking back now at that time, can you see how the hand of God was? Because that sounds like a really tough time, like difficult, just discovering something that you once knew was different. Um, So can you see, like, the hand of God even during that time for you, like, how he was kind of maneuvering things. Now you can look back on it and see, but at that time you you weren't able to see it. I truly can. I could I could I could actually go back further than the age 16. But at that age, his hand was definitely in my life, working through my life and on my life. And I just love the way that he works. And I couldn't, and I didn't have the language and I didn't have the the tools or the experiences to know then or even to know in my 20s what was going on. But it was that love that I needed from a father. And true enough, yes, we, we, we are born with and from human beings, but our ultimate father is God. And that's the relationship that I really needed to nurture and chase. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, how has that helped you? Because I know that, um, you know, for me, just speaking of like dads, and you said that you were really just trying to get out of town, really, you find this out, you're like, I'm trying to leave. It's time. It's college time. I don't want to deal with all this stuff. Um, but and I can understand that just not being able to like process it. And that really does kind of interfere with just like identity because we start asking a lot of questions I know like when I was younger just not really having that close-knit relationship you have a lot of questions about like who you are and the things that are going on with you and just wanting to have those questions answered but for you I had those things uh, but for you you didn't know your dad until later on so did you have an opportunity to kind of get those questions um answered or were you in a place where you were like I have to get my relationship right with God first and then I can go back to you know my earthly father I did I I have seen or I had seen my real father all of my life I just didn't know that he was my real father and I did have lots and lots of questions but I didn't want to deal with it because I didn't know how to deal with it. I was embarrassed. I didn't know who I was. And it took me a very long time to kind of grapple with it after the age of 16. Well, who am I, God? I thought I was a member of this family, but now you're saying I'm a member of another family? And a lot of those emotions, they came to the surface and I was just looking for love in all the wrong places. And when you go and you search for, I don't know, the fake love is what I call it. Mm-hmm. And you you don't find it and you, you keep searching and you, you run into a lot of roadblocks. And eventually, you know, those roadblocks, they they spilled over into everything I did. And I didn't have a choice but to force myself to sit with my real father and ask questions. And I didn't know if he wanted to answer those questions. I didn't know if he would tell me the truth. I didn't know if I would freeze up and not say 
but the very first thing that happened was was tears and i needed to release all of that before i can get one word out of my mouth wow wow well i was going to um this was going to be later in the um, time frame that we have, but I think that's a great lead into your book. You wrote a book and the title of your book, I have it, I have it here is um, basically the life, life, the gift that keeps on giving volume one, finding your way. And I just have to say that since I read this, this I think it's been 2017, 2018 or so, I've just always loved it. And I said, if I get a chance to do, like if I do this podcast, cause I didn't really have the courage to do it, but I said, if you ever do, I really want to talk to her because I want to talk to her about her book and what it inspired her. So I will say, I'm going to ask you what inspired you, but because we're talking about dads, um, I have to skip past that and go directly to um, one of my favorite chapters. And that's my love letter to God. And when you have all these beautiful, beautiful names of God, and you start off with dear father God, and you just talk about him being mighty and compassionate and being the forgiving father. And I just think that those attributes of God are just wonderful in, in, you know, helping us to position ourselves with even our earthly father. So I just want to just say thank you so much for just this chapter alone, bless me, the whole book, bless me. But this chapter, really, um, and even today, when I think about it, like I'm, I'm closely identifying with Jehovah Jireh and being the quiet qualifier. Oh my goodness, it just it just warms me. It gets me excited and riled up at the same time. So um, I'll first ask you what your inspiration was and you can let me know that. And then I want you to talk to me a little bit about today, what is that attribute of God that you have that is really like speaking to you today or even this week? you know, this, the attribute of God that has just really spoken to you this week? Well, I would say the experiences, the, um, my upbringing, the environment, the voices outside of me, but most importantly, trying to find out who the big I am is. Knowing that I didn't know who I was, I didn't have any foundation because it had been shaken by what I was told and I wanted to know okay God you are the creator of who I am only you can show me tell me who I am and all of the things that I had to experience from birth and, and until you know God says okay you you've done your time they're not just for me my living is just not for me, but it it's for other females who look like me, who may have gone through similar things or who may be going through similar things that I've gone through, but it's to help other people. And whenever I went on the search to find out who the big I am was, initially it was for me to find that information out. But then it ultimately became to, to help others by 
identifying the goodness of God mm -hmm. and how he has shown himself in my life, even in the midst of the not so good times. Wow. So it sounds like in your writing of volume one, you were able to really, because it's really, the book is about you. It's talking about different stages of your life. Um, as you said, your identity, but just really, it seems like in the writing that adult you is also being discovered. Would you say that? I would absolutely say that. And you know what? I've come to to understand that the, the closer and the more intimate and the more sincere that I walk with our Father God, he just reveals a lot of things to me. And just when I thought, hey, you know, God, I think I know this part of me, he kind of reveals something, another layer that I didn't know about me. So, you know, learning about who I am is actually a lifetime process. Wow. Well, um, I had another, I have several favorite chapters, but um, the the funniest for me was Little White Lie. And you, well, I may have misquoted the title, uh, Little. That's correct. That's oh, okay. <laughs> and um, it's like, well, he's my boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. And then it's kind of like you're confronted. But, um, you know, did you writing that you know how did you feel about just writing that and knowing that your mom was going to read it I'm sure <laughs> well you know I want to come from a place of transparency and truth and honesty and growing up and if you look at the little people now when I say little people children now you know it doesn't matter the color of the outside of the skin. And it's just what you feel on the inside. And at that particular time, I was attracted to, to white males. And when I wrote it, I said, you know, it's the truth that I never had an opportunity to talk to my mom about it. But she knew, regardless of what we, you know, what we reveal and what we don't reveal, I'm a, I'm a parent. Know. Yeah, moms know. know. We know everything. And look, don't have to say anything they just intuitively know what's going on so she knew it was my boyfriend even though I lied to her she knew because she could tell my mannerism kind of changed when I was around her or when I talked about him and she said oh she kind of like him but she also knew during that time that you know my grand my grandmother and you know grandfather they didn't understand the mixing of races they didn't like that because of the things that they had endured and she said well Jane you know if this is the guy that you do like you know you're not gonna really be able to take him over to Dia's house and that's what we call you know Dia but you know I honestly feel that if she would have met him because he was my boyfriend she would have loved him she would have loved him yes yeah. That's how, and that's how my dears or grandmothers are right yes they are they are <laughs> Well, um, I also uh, wanted to talk to you about chapter, um, I believe it was uh, during the time, it's called Send Me and I'll Go. And it is during the time where you are, chapter two, it's during the time where you are in elementary school or the fifth grade. And, um, you know, it's really 
fifth grade is like a real awkward time. Like I, and, and I read your, what you, what your story was. And then it just kind of made me think about like my fifth grade. So fourth grade, fifth grade wasn't so bad, but I was just coming off of fourth grade and I had gotten the chicken pox and I had all these, you know, dots and marks in my face. And so I was just kind of like trying to get cool again, but I didn't really feel it. You know, I didn't really feel it, but I was trying to work my way to that point, you know, to believe it. So talk to me a little bit more about just like your experience. You did talk a little bit about it in the book, um, but just the experience of self and just like the just finding out about yourself, being aware of certain things that you didn't like about yourself and just where God was in your life during that time. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to back up a few years in second grade, and it's kind. Of, it, well, it's not ironic. Nothing is ironic in this world to me anymore. But I too had chicken pox, and I also had Indian fire. But mine started in second grade, and I remember staying home from school for two weeks, and I remember having this purple stuff everywhere. It was in my hair. It was on my face, obviously legs, arms, and even in my mouth and my tongue. And afterwards, after it had passed, both of those had passed, it still left those scars and those marks everywhere on me. And I was embarrassed. And, you know, I had a younger brother and he would tease me all the time, but that's just what brothers do, but it hurt. And I couldn't say, you know, you're hurting my feelings because I didn't know how to say those things. So as I grew in grade and age, you know, I was very, very self-conscious. And even if it was hot, I still wore a jacket, jeans, or pantyhose. And people would look at me strange and say, well, you're not hot. Oh, no, I'm not hot. It was just that I was trying to hide all those marks that the chicken pox and the Indian fire left. And being that I thought something was wrong with me because of the way I looked, I didn't like me. I had no good feelings about, you know, who I am and how I look, especially to people outside. And the way I saw myself in the mirror was not good. And I thought everyone else saw me that way. So lo and behold, when I got into the fifth grade, my teacher, she had asked me to join a pageant. And I was like, oh, no, pageants are for beautiful girls. I'm no shape, form, or anywhere close to the word beautiful. And she was like, Jane, what are you talking about? I was like, no, I, I don't want to do it. And she said, well, I'm going to call home and talk with your mom and see if, you know, she would mind. And I was like, oh, she's not going to say it anyway. So, and I really didn't think she would do it. Teacher called home. Mom said, oh, sure. And I was dumbfounded. I was like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? So this teacher, I mean, she just took me under her wing and she just guided me. I mean, she bought my clothes. She practiced my parts. She did everything for me. And I didn't want to let her down, even though I knew I had no chance of winning. I wanted to make sure that the efforts that she put in me, I did more to make her happy. Make a long story short, I had won 
in all three of those categories. Yes, Every single that. category. And the thing was, I still thought I wasn't good enough because I felt that I did something bad because I won in all categories and the other girls did not. So it wasn't a win-win for me at all. And it was all because of like, you know, the mindset and me not identifying with what, what it was that God was doing in my life. But it was a very monumental point in my life because it allowed me to know one, if you believe in yourself and you give your all, you can do anything. Yes. You can do anything. Yes, that that is so good. And it really just touched my spirit. Um, my, the last sentence of that chapter says, I'm pleased to announce that I accepted the title of queen with no reservation because I deserved to win. I deserve to win. And it just really sums up just, you know, when we are at that awkward stage, we we don't really see it. God, of course, made us who we are, but we don't really get the opportunity to like see that in the full. But someone else comes along, like your teacher, and sees that and she's very persistent and oh, come on, I got you bringing you under her wing, making sure that you knew that you could do it, speaking encouragement and mentorship in your life. And I just think that that's such a wonderful story of the beauty of teachers, um, the beauty of having someone that believes in you, the beauty of having a parent that may in the past could have said no or may have said no. You didn't even think she would say yes, but there was something about that time that she was supposed to say yes, so that you could, you know, believe in yourself so that you could win three titles, you know, during that time. So now as a mom, I wanted to find out for you, what kind of advice do you find yourself giving your children um, when they're, if you can see that they're in the stage and you're trying to, you know, prompt them or encourage them, what type of advice are you giving them right now? Well, right now in this day and age, the advice that I know, um, I have a daughter and I also have a son. Mm -hmm. The advice that I give them now is, is primarily encouraging because, you know, oftentimes, you know, when I was growing up, they were, they were not nice, the students, my peers were not, but they were nowhere near where they are now. And because we didn't have social media going, growing up, they have it now. And one of the things that I had to make sure my daughter understood is that people show you what they want to show you. They give you the best shots of their lives. And you may think that this is their life every single day, but it isn't. It isn't. They're not always made up. They're not always wearing the best clothes. They're not always hanging out with friends, having fun. And whenever you see that it's good, but don't pattern your life after that, comparing yourself to what you see on social media, which is not always accurate. Make sure that you remain true to who you are and always, regardless of how you are treated, always operate from a place of kindness. 
That's so good. And of course, you're telling both of your kids that in a sense, it is difficult, I imagine, to be a young person during this time because of the pressures of social media, because of just, like you said, seeing all the good people are only posting the good. Now you're telling your kids that, but that's something we could tell the adults, you know, (laughs) Um, because of course you're most of the time people are only posting the happy. They're not really going in depth as to really what they are feeling and uh, what's really happening in their life. And I guess maybe posting the truth or being transparent might be a little bit difficult. They don't, they may not want to be reminded of that. I'm not really sure why, how social media just became only happy times, you know, but it's just good that you mentioned that that is something that you talk to your children about. Now, that kind of leads me, since we're talking about social media, that leads me to Facebook. You have a weekly, weekly now, a weekly broadcast that is live on Facebook. And I enjoy it thoroughly. So tell me about it. Tell the readers about it. And let's go. Let's get into it. Okay, and that's absolutely correct. The title of my Facebook Live show is Saturday Spiritual Spotlight with Janice Green. And you can view it every Saturday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time under my Facebook page, Jane S. Green. Now, this Facebook Live, it came about from a blog. I did a blog or started a blog maybe in 2015. The title of the blog was Monday Morning Blues, and blues is an acronym for Believe Life Uses Everyone and Everything Spiritually. And when I came to that idea or when God revealed that to me, I said, you know what? I may need to start sharing some of these insights, some of these revelations that God is allowing me to have. And that's the birth of the Facebook Live. Wow. So now how long have you been doing the Facebook Live? This is my fourth year. Your fourth fourth year. That is amazing. And it just, it's deep conversation. It's deep talk, right? Um, And it's really, the topic is inspiration. It's, uh, you know, spreading the gospel and and I'm just enriched you know when I listen so I appreciate that and I know that the listeners knowing that they'll be able to once they hear it they'll be able to if they're not following you already they can go to your Facebook page to see you you said 7 a.m central standard time on Saturdays okay so that is beautiful and Um, the, what I wanted to talk to you about is just, you know, since we're talking about God and we're talking about your Facebook page and we talked a little bit about your book, did you have like a life scripture or a quote that you just kind of live by? It's encouraging, it's motivating you. It does like everything for you. Yes. My favorite scripture is going to come from second Timothy chapter one and that's verse seven. God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And when the very first time I used that scripture, or when God just kind of dropped it in my spirit, I was speaking for some educators at a school board meeting back in the early 2000s. 
and it was standing room only. We were, you know, immersed with all of the school board members, the district personnel, and I was the only one at the mic. And I was scared. I was definitely scared. And before I could say anything, God prompted me to say that scripture. And as soon as those words left my mouth, I was able to say what needed to be said. And from that point forward, anytime I feel an ounce or inkling of fear, I remember that scripture and I'm able to do what God is asking me to do in that moment. Wow, that is wonderful. And it's encouraging because there are some times where we get to a scary moment in our life or something that makes us feel uncomfortable. And just, excuse me, just with you saying that, uh, it made me think of when, when I was younger, I was in elementary school and I had a speech and I'm up there and I'm like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> and of course I didn't remember, but I just wish that I had that, that scripture to kind of like prompt me and just so I could get my bearing. So basically I could understand that no, God has not given you the spirit of fear. That fear is coming from the devil and you need to rise up against it. And so um, just being able to talk myself into like, you can do it, you can do it. I couldn't do it. (laughs) But uh, it's good to hear how the scripture speaks to you and that is so live in your life. And it's active and just the journey that God has positioned you from, you know, childhood all the way up until now and how you are moving in the life of your children. And though it looks different, of course, you know, you raising your kids may look different from how you grew up, but the qualities and the things that good and bad that you faced, those are things that make you the parent that you are and make you the person that you are and being able to kind of like enjoy your children and and your husband um, in this time. And so that to me shows like the beauty of God and his hand over your life. Now, um, I know I didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but I am going to ask you about volume two. Will we get a volume two? I know we're wrapping up now, but I I said, hey, I got to throw that in. Will we get a volume two? Yes, they're actually five. And yeah, God gave me all of them at one time. Volume two is a little controversy. So um, I, I could sense why I hesitated or have been hesitating with that one, but I am going to begin working on that one soon. Okay, that's so good to hear. And a part of it is, is as this book blessed me, it I'm sure has blessed other people. Now, they may not be having podcasts or all that stuff, but I know that you've been the guest at a lot of different places and you've had the opportunity to talk about your book, but it's blessed me tremendously. And so I, if you have five volumes, I'm going to say that even though God didn't tell me to say it, I just want you to move forward with getting those out at the promptings of God like when you know that he's telling you to move forward because of where we are now like we 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 couldn't predict that we would be in a pandemic and we couldn't predict that all these things would happen and as a author myself and just procrastinating on some not you're not saying that you're a procrastinator but for me uh, procrastinating on a lot of projects just being able to say that 
we are not, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. If God has put something in our spirit, make a move. Okay. So I'm telling you that, but I'm also telling myself that <laughs> got to make a move. We got to yeah. make a move. Yeah. So, all right, Jay, now we're wrapping up and you're going to tell the listeners again, how to reach you, how to get your book and also how to reach you on Facebook again. Okay. You could watch my weekly Facebook live show every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook and you type in Janus Green and as soon as you type it in you'll be able to view that and you can also go back and view all of the other videos that I have posted on Facebook live as well. The book, my book, my book with my father God, Life, the gift that keeps on giving is available on amazon.com. You can also purchase it at Barnes & Noble. If you type in life, the gifts that keeps on giving into a Google search, you'll automatically be prompted to go to amazon.com to purchase it as well. All right. That is wonderful. And on that note, I want to thank you so much for being a great guest. And I want to thank you for sharing in your hope and your growth and your life journey. So thank you so much, Jane S. Green, my lovely sister. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so very much for inviting me. This has truly been a wonderful experience. Jane S. Green had some very insightful words for us, didn't she? It was such a great honor to talk to her. The big thought from this spirit-filled conversation was no matter what has happened to you, whether it's in your childhood or in your adulthood, if it was negative or traumatic, when we discover our spiritual identity in Christ, we will find the right path in life. I'm Ebony Griffin, your host of the Small Talk Big Thoughts podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Oh.